Hey, it's time to go out to eat, and I know where you need to go. And that is Gray's Restaurant in Bridgeport, the legendary place that people flock to from all over the area for those great catfish dinners, hand-cut steaks, tenderloins, the greatest cheeseburgers on the planet. That's the place to go get it. Check out their daily lunch specials and any weekly features on their Facebook page. They're open for dine-in, carry-outs available. Give them a call, 945-9501. For over 75 years, they've been doing it. So let the Gray family cook for your family today. Looking for insurance, we hope that you would call the Andrews Insurance Agency at 542 Main Street in Bridgeport. Terry Andrews and Justin Shear are your independent agents and they're your professionals for all of your farm, commercial, and personal insurance needs. And they've been strong supporters of Red Hill Athletics for decades. So if you're brought down by a pack of dogs, get off your seats and on your feet and see T-Bone or Juice and give them a call at 618-945-2881 at the Andrews Insurance Agency. Hey, right there across from the Dog Pound, you know what that place is, and it's Tyler Griffin's Pizza House. Well, it's the best place in the world to go for Bridgeport-style pizza, of course. And don't forget, a couple more days left in August for the August employee-picked pizza of the month, and that is the Meatball Pizza, and you can also get it as a submarine sandwich. So take advantage of that. They're open Tuesday through Sunday, 4 to 9, and first Friday of every month, of course, they're open for lunch, 11 to 1. You can dine in, carry out, and, of course, they can bring it right to you. Give them a call, 945-3663 for Tyler Griffin's Pizza House. Community. You know, that's what's important to the folks at People's State Bank. A tradition is a way of going about things that develop over time. And since the day that Peoples first opened the doors of their business, they've served the credit and investment needs of this area. The money that's deposited with them is reinvested locally in the form of loans to area families, agriculture, and business. You know, they've got all these convenient locations. Sumner, St. Francisville, Lawrenceville, and Bridgeport. And quite frankly, I don't know how we would have known the time nor the temperature without that sign in downtown Bridgeport when I was a kid. Go see the folks at People's State Bank while they help serve this community that we know and love. Sumner, St. Francisville, Lawrenceville, and Bridgeport. People's State Bank. Every step I take, I know that I'm not alone. You take the home from a boy, but not the boy from his home. These are my streets, the only life I've ever known. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Old School Red Hill Podcast. Glad to be with you. After a couple of weeks, uh, we're getting ready to drop this show and excited to do so. We have, of course, the main cast of characters. Starting off, Mr. Chip Jamerson. How are you, my man? Doing great, Brino. I'm looking forward to this interview tonight. This is The interviews are always fun, so I think we're going to learn a lot tonight. 
we kind of got away from interviews a little bit here, and and we 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 knew that. And summertime, it was kind of hard to get a hold of people and and sit down and do things. So we've kind of done some. Uh, we did this a summer episode. We did a school year or two. We talked about the the building and things. But yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. Yeah, we'll we'll spread the interview. We don't want to cram them all. We cram them all at the beginning, so we'll have them spread out throughout the history of this show. But yeah, this is one that's been on the list since we first started coming up with ideas last year. Yeah, for sure. Uh, right there in um, beautiful Lawrence County, Illinois, on that massive dynasty called King Farms is Mr. David King. How are you, bud? Hey, I'm good. How are you guys? Doing good. Let's give a crop report real quick because I know that everybody wants to know how the crops are doing. Uh, things look pretty good overall, except we, need, we do need rain. We so. do need rain? We do need rain, so there's there's a chance Sunday night and Monday Tuesday. So, hoping uh, I think the corn's pretty well set, but the beans beans can use them still. Okay, so and we want the beans to be healthy, and so we everybody do your rain dance. Yeah. Coming at us from Evansville, Indiana, Mr. Gary Emmons. Hey guys, uh, I'm excited about this one. A longtime close friend, coached with uh, Coach Lyles for a long time, and what a perfect time to bring him in, but right before the the eve of the the new football season in 2021. So yeah, yeah. very excited about doing this interview with Coach Lyles. Yeah, we're recording this on Thursday evening, uh, uh, August 26th. So, yeah, day before the, the first game with, with Mount Carmel. So excited to do that. Before we get to Coach Lyles, I do want to say that we did have a winner on the Mystery Voice. And, uh, yeah, and that was Carrie Hill. Yes, big fan. And Brian, before we reveal who the mystery voice was, I actually had some responses this time. I had some incorrect answers. Nobody guessed it right. All right, let's hear them. Um, can I go through some of the wrong answers? All yeah, right. Please do. Um, Bobby Stevens, Okay. which he matched a lot of those clues there. Sure. So I, yeah. that is I guess true. for Bobby Stevens. Right. Um, Slim came home. Um what did he say? Something about the 93 basketball team yeah, or something he, he like put that? The 90, so, yeah, put the 90. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I probably had a lot of people out there guessing Bobby Stevens that didn't, just didn't get their answers in. Yeah. Um, Preston Hall was was guessed. Uh, <laughs> wow. Really? <laughs> uh, speaking of assistant coaches, Preston Hall was an assistant on the, uh, <laughs> on the basketball staff, so someone pulled that one out and thought, um, yeah. was he part of that 93 coaching staff, Gary? He was. So I guess yeah. it's the connection to the 93 team. Yeah. Um, okay. Was not Preston Hall. <laughs> nope. Um, let's see. Paul Tugall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It was not Dr. Paul Tugall. That's for sure. <laughs> and I think that's all I got. Okay. Well, some great guesses. Well, he, 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 we, we gradually um, came up with some clues that this Mr. Voice gave. He said, of course, he grew up in Bridgeport. And then he said, uh, what was it? Cheering for a Saluki is for the old and the young. So that was a Preston pretty. Paul would have been young back then. Pretty yes. good. Okay. Pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> pretty good clue. And then he said his favorite catchphrase from Red Hill history was Slim came home. Um, Slim being this uh, gentleman's nickname, and then of course he gave the clue about the ninety-two, ninety or uh, ninety-two basketball team, and of course that was Jason Young who was the mystery voice this time, 
And Carrie Hill came up with Jason Young. Also, got to give it, she's right on the the money with Mystery Voices. Uh, Heather Cooper knew the answer, but uh, Carrie Hill is our winner on this time uh, for the Mystery Voice. And not sure if we're going to have a Mystery Voice next time or maybe a, uh, a trivia question, but we'll do something here in the near future contest-wise. But, uh, hey, everybody tuned in not to hear me talk but everybody tuned in to uh, hear about Chris Lyle. So we will be right back with longtime Saluki coach and what has become a Saluki legend, Chris Lyles. We'll be right back. Welcome, everybody, to this uh, week's edition of the Old School Red Hill podcast. Uh, we had already announced this one a lot of times. We don't really put it out there who we're going to be interviewing, but this time we put it out there about a week ago, and already you're getting all kinds of love. We known him as Crash. We've known him as, as Biff. We now know him as Daddy. Guys had all kinds of nicknames from Robinson, Illinois, Eastern Illinois University. 2016 inductee into the Wabash Valley Coaches Hall of Fame. I'm proud to call him one of my good friends. Welcome, Chris Lyles, everybody. How you doing, Coach? What's up? Oh, not too bad. I'm tired. This first week of school is always hard on an old guy like me. And, and tell you what, out. it was about 200 degrees out. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. Practices have been brutal. Yeah. How how far are you guys into all. how far are you into practice in Illinois? Um, I think this will be probably a week and a half, maybe two weeks. Okay, seems longer than that, but. And then so first, we've been in school since like last Wednesday. So I think it'll be almost two weeks now. Somehow ahead, we're back to Mount Carmel again. So I don't know how we got back to there. What are what are things looking like this year? Well, the Aces that we've, um, we've heard that they're they're going to be good this year. Um, one of our administrators, Mr. Gross, said that he talked to one of their administrators, and they said it's one of their better teams since oh. their quarter pot final team a few years back. Wow. And they've got a really good um, quarterback. He's supposed to be very athletic. But you know, we can watch film on them from last year. But that's all we got, really. Obviously, that's it's at home, so we got them at home at least tomorrow night. That maybe help a little bit, I suppose. So, what's what's our team looking like this year? How are the Slukes coming along? Well, not too bad. We're just, you know, we're really thin in spots. I think we have like twenty five or twenty six kids out. And we just don't really have any depth, and you know, in this heat, it's first game. That's not a good recipe. Yeah, you know, even when you have a deep team, when it's this hot, yeah. you know, cramps are going to occur. You know injuries we, we just don't have a lot of depth that's um, you know my biggest concern right it's hard to believe this is actually tomorrow night will be your 32nd consecutive opening night for red hill football talk about that how, how in the world did, did, did we get this far um well honestly i was gonna retire the COVID year i told billy that you know during the summertime i thought i was done my nephew was getting married in september and, you know, I've given up a lot of family time, just a lot of time in general over the years. And I'm like, I'm not going to miss my nephew's wedding. And it just felt right. And then COVID hit. And then we ended up not having the season until the spring. And so, you know, by then I was kind of refreshed and ready to go back in. But it's it's hard to believe. Um, I try to think back to that first time I came to Red Hill. You were probably there. I remember meeting Steve Bocock and some of the guys, Coach Evans, for the first time. Well, yeah, I mean, that was uh, – in fact, you coached all of uh, three of us here on this call. So your first year – your student teaching year was, of course, the 1990 football season. 
So I was a, I was my sophomore year, Dave's junior, Chip's senior year. So that was the, that was your student teaching year. Golden age of Red Hill football. Yes. Oh, I, I that is the golden age. Right you, you can hear more about that season on the 90-90-90-91 podcast. We go in depth to that 0-9 football season on that I episode. think we had to do one just on that football season. <laughs> I've got plenty of material, so I would love to, to do we that. We could go week, well, more than week by week. We could almost go play by play. Yeah. Now, <laughs> so, so Biff would have witnessed the great blue-white game of david king is that right yeah that was been a one of the great performances in yeah. football history legendary that meant nothing it's a funny story 30 years later though let's start at the very very beginning um you were were you born in robinson or did you move there as a child or talk, talk about no, the young chris into robinson i don't know if you remember mason oil my stepdad at the time was a pilot, and he got a job in Robinson flying for Mason Hall. I grew up in uh, Kentucky. I was born in Danville, Kentucky. Okay. Um, I lived in Frankfort, Kentucky, Ashland, Kentucky, and Cynthia, Kentucky. So, all over Kentucky. I, I hate. I mean, we moved a lot when I was a kid. So I'm kind of a vagabond a little bit, but then yeah. you know, Red Hills kind of came my home. Yeah. When did you go to Robinson? I got there in 1980. Okay. And graduated in 83. All right. So and then you went to Eastern, right? So how, how did you have what Eastern was the pick? It was closest to home or how did you get, end up there? Well, I actually went to Lincoln trail first and got my associate's degree. I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. And, um, I decided I was kind of heavier at that time and I got into fitness. I started doing a lot of running, lifting, and just, you know, playing a lot of tennis. And I happened to um, meet Jeff Glosser and he was going to Eastern. And I knew, you know, I decided I was gonna be a PE teacher at that time. So I went, I ended up going to Eastern in the room with Jeff Glosser and uh, Tom Frost Okay. up there. And that's kind of how I got to Red Hill because Jeff's dad was the uh, superintendent right. at Red Hill and I needed a place to student teach. And that was really easy. So uh I just asked Jeff's dad, that's the great thing about this podcast. Like I, I totally remember that now of that, that Glosser connection. And I, I would have mm-hmm. never, never thought about that. That's awesome. And, and on the flip side, Brian, it's the first I've ever heard about. It, so I learned something brand new on the <laughs> podcast. So there's um, all kinds of facets to this show. Yeah. And it's funny, Jeff, in his first job, the place I was born in Danville, Kentucky, that's where he ended up working in his first job. Uh, really? <laughs> kind of ironic. What sports did you play in Robinson, Chris? I, I was just basketball and golf. I, I never played football. I always loved football, but as a bigger kid, I, I was afraid I'd be on the line. And I, you know, I'm sad. This, I mean, it's a big regret of mine. I wish I would have. I've always loved football. In fact, when I came to Red Hill, I really had no designs on being a football coach. I, <laughs> I had planned on being a basketball coach, to be honest with you. Really? Um, and you accomplished that too. You just, uh, football has just been the thing now that you've been doing for the last 30 years. Correct. And, and I still love basketball, but it got to a point where, you know, I was doing three sports and I really enjoyed track and basketball is such a long season. Yeah. And I don't know if coach K would have kept on going, maybe, you know, I kind of regret not hanging with him a little bit longer than what we did you know, cause that was some really good times with coach. Do you remember much of the, 
after you student taught and there was a, obviously a, a job posted for driver's ed, that's what you're hired as, right? So was that, whose job did, did you take then? Who was the driver's ed? Mr. Brooks, I ended up taking his job. Um, that's right. It was a straight driver's ed. And then I think I had two study halls. I can remember, um, you know, Rice was telling me, you know, I think board meetings were on Thursday still then. He said, um, you know, we'll probably call you and let you know whether you got the job or not. So I'm sitting by my phone, yeah. you know, kind of waiting on that phone call. 10, 11 o'clock comes by midnight. And I'm like, I didn't get the job. Because <laughs> at that time, you know, there was a bunch of applicants, probably, you know, 20, 30 applicants. Now, wow. you know, when we get a job at school, or maybe two or three applicants. Really? Wow. And it was it's really, really tough to get a job back in that time. So well, I felt really fortunate. Why do you think they hire I mean, out of that many applicants, obviously your your great personality, but why do you think they picked you? Obviously student teaching probably helped. Yeah, I think student teaching, I got to know the people. Coach Evans, I think, wanted me, even Coach Kendall wanted me. And then, you know, I think Glosser had a lot to do with it, too. I think, you know, obviously he wielded a big stick at that time, being the superintendent. So, you know, I, I think that had a lot to do with it, to be honest with you. Yeah. So now when you moved to town, and I don't know if I, you lived in that house right there, kind of across from Kevin Tucker, um, which yeah, that's when I first. Right. Yeah. Was that the first house you lived in? Yeah. Kathy Evans found that for me. I, I rented it. I can't remember who the people were. They lived in Indianapolis. And so I lived there for several years until they sold it to somebody. Yeah. I think, but that, I mean, I know Steve Chasm lived there for a while. I don't know if he still does or not. Yeah. I think they got it after I, sometime after I got it. So June, 1991, that school board meeting you were talking about, Chris Lyles is hired as the driver's ed football and basketball coach. Had a six to one vote, Chris. Someone didn't oh. want you. Oh no, <laughs> Brock, Gary. Do we have the name of the? I got the name. Okay. You, you want to take a guess? Uh, Tom Tuttle votes no. I wow. think I think Tom voted no. A lot of people. He did. We we learned that on a lot of this research. We find out that there's usually almost one naysayer in almost every vote, no matter what it was. And I don't know why if they all figured out they needed to do that for some reason, like there should be no personal, but you know, Harry Rice, when I first got that job, he told me, he said, not everybody's going to like Chris Lyles. And at the time being young and dumb, I thought, Harry, you're crazy. Everybody's, everybody's good. <laughs> I think they do, but no, I, not everybody does. I mean, I mean, when you coach, you're, you know, you're going to rub somebody the wrong way. Oh, yeah. So, so you're was it your number one goal to win over Tom Tuttle? <laughs> uh, no, honestly, I didn't know at the time. To be honest with you, I was just happy to have a job. Exactly. Did you have other interviews at other places or was Red Hill your? Red Hill was it. I applied <laughs> several different places, but like I said, back then it wasn't an easy job. I mean, you, I mean, there was a lot of teachers coming out of Eastern and competition was tough. I applied in a lot of different places, got a few phone calls, but I never got any interviews. Could you have ever imagined that you would still be there in 2021? Like, uh, you know, it's hard to imagine, but, you know, I, I right from the get-go, I felt welcomed and, you know, I felt like it was a right fit for me. So, yeah, I, yeah you know, I just, like, enjoyed the people. And, and like I said, they, they treated my, like, family right from the get-go. Yeah. So, Do you yeah. know at this point, Coach, how long you're going to 
how many years you got left teaching and everything. Do you know, have you thought much about that? I'm sure you have. I, I put in my, my papers. Um, they have a deal like you've, I got three more years, two after this year. Wow. As teach coaching. I don't know. Is that breaking? I news? tell them I'm on a year by year, sometimes game by game contract. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Well, it didn't take long. So but obviously you, Coach Evans was the head coach. His first year back was your first year, right? So then you um, studied under Coach Kendall. Mm-hmm. He was the D coordinator for, for a few years. But having never played football, you were named the defensive coordinator, I think, in 93, the 93 football season. Is that how you remember? It was, a- I, I, it was right around that time. I, I think it was. I, I remember the first time, <laughs> the first game I ever called was the Kelly Tucker uh, sweet pass I called defense that game because Coach K, I don't know if they had a death in the family. Something was going on. He couldn't be there. And I, I remember being very nervous. That well, that game. was the, yes. So it would have been week karma, week oh, four karma, of the 92 yeah. football season. It was right after the Mount Carmel win. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah, the next yes, week. Yes, it was. <laughs> so, yeah, that, then, was, that was kind of stressful. You know, I really wasn't ready for it. And to be thrown out, you know, I thought I did a decent job. I, I didn't panic. I know. I can remember at halftime we were down a little bit and we were, you know, coach was like, maybe we should change defense. But, you know, I'm like, and I said, well, I said, we really haven't done that bad. Let's just kind of stay the course and see how it goes. And, and I don't remember what we gave up the second half, but I, I think we did pretty well. To be yeah. honest with you. Yeah. It's interesting. Chris, you said you didn't play football. I'm sure, you know, you're all around sports fans. So you probably followed it closely, but was, was it a Bill Evans crash course that, that got you up to speed where in just a couple of years you're calling, you know, one side or the other of the ball? Well, kind of, you know, and I, you know, at that time, Coach Evans kind of turned the defense over to, to Fred and I kind of followed Fred around a lot and I, and I learned and, you know, I read some books and, I, you know, I just kind of picked it up pretty quickly, I guess. I don't know. Coach K told me, and this was about basketball. He said, you pick up things faster than anybody I've ever had. And I took that as a real compliment coming yeah, from him. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know. It just, I try to keep things simple. I try to put kids in a place where I think they can succeed, take advantage of what they do. Um, and, you know, I have a thought, I mean, I feel like if you have kids out there thinking instead of playing and reacting, you're, you're in trouble. Right. So you better give them something that's, you know, kind of simple. You know, in 32 years, you've only, you've basically been an assistant just to just two head coaches, which is pretty amazing. What are, what are the biggest differences between Bill and Billy? Uh, they're both, you know, really good coaches. Um, Bill was such a good organizer. You know, he, he was kind of over the top. I used to always kid that, you know, he scheduled his bathroom breaks where he like, when he's going to make love to his wife, it was like, <laughs> you know what I mean? he was so, so organized. Um, and Billy, Billy's really good at end game, like making adjustments and calling plays. I mean, he's, he's really, really good at picking part of defense. And talking about some of these, that's one of the questions I posted a picture today. And I'm not sure if you've been keeping up on the Facebook page and it's been Chris Lyle's week, you know, like Tony Gaither posted that senior year picture of you. What'd you think about that? I think he's an ass, but that's. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know that. We all know that. Before the picture, 
Ed has confirmed it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I was looking back at some of these uh, defenses that you coached, and I picked out a few here to kind of go through them a little bit to see kind of what you thought. And, of course, we know the differences between the NEC and the LIC, but I said that 2000, that 2001 defense was just something to – I said the, the the record in safeties and giving up like five five point two points per game and with Desi and Josh and Tyler and Joey Akers, Tom O'Toole, Michael Kras, get all these guys. I threw the '93 team in there. That was like your first full season, which mm-hmm. that was of course an NEC team with uh, Chancy and Kelly and Lump, uh, Shane Wilson, Travis Barker. Those guys are pretty tough. The '96 team, of course, you got to throw them in there yeah. with all those big names. The next year, you had a lot of the same guys back, just a year older, with Crutchfield and Josh and um, Jake Harrison, Gancy uh, Lehman. Kate was a move in that year. He was he was really good. Brett Lynn, I tell you what, the animal Brett Lynn is. And then let's see, then t- the 2001 team I put in there. We already talked about them, and then 2006 and 2007 had a lot of the same guys too. I think on those teams. So oh, yeah. Do you think about the like what teams are? I know those are probably your best. Do you, well, you talk about 2017 in there too? I mean, I had 17 and 18. I'm not counting them as old school though. Okay. But yeah, we will we'll leave them. You know, I, you know, I I'm kind of like Coach Kendall and Coach Avenue. You really don't want to rank him. Uh, 2001 was very special. I, I felt like that team got you know the most out of their talent than any team that we've I've ever coached. Um, they also, they hit really, really hard. You know, Likens, he took people's head off. Um, you know, there's a lot of good players on that team that you just mentioned. Um, 2000, you know, and then I, I don't know, I've been getting a lot of grief from the current coaching staff because they've been telling me how good their team was, the 96 team. <laughs> and the yeah. 96 team, you know, probably overall was the best team that I've coached. It's, now, I'm not saying defense, but the team, when you think about being 3A in the quarterfinals, that's that's pretty special. Yeah, yeah it is. And Have you ever uh, – uh, we're not going to put you on the spot and make you list your team. Have you ever made the all-wiles team and sat down and, and wrote in the depth chart of if you had your dream team, who it would be over the years? Yeah, we have. I, I mean, we as coaches have done it, just talking about, like, we'll go to a coaching clinic or something like that, and we'll kind of put, like, our all Red Hill team from yeah. our area. So, okay, since you've no, done I'm it, we'll go ahead it. and ask you. <laughs> no. Uh, well, uh, someday our plan is at some point, hopefully during this football season, we want to do Coach Evans Part 2, and our plan would be to hold this at hopefully at, uh, at Gray's so maybe off the air, we can sit down and go through depth charts. We could probably have yeah, a hell of a time. That that out there. I would be glad to. You know, something I thought was very interesting. But, but if we do it at Gray's, after a couple pops, let me tell you, that, that team's going to start flowing, I guarantee. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Something I found interesting, like the, 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 the similarities between the 97 and 2001 team, both had really great defenses. I think the 2000, the 97 team, I'm sorry, gave up like 12 or 13 points a game, but only scored like 18. I think the 2001 team only averaged like 13 wow. points a game. And I always thought that like you have these great athletes playing defense, but some reason it just never connected to have any, not even, I wouldn't even say high powered offense scoring just a couple touchdowns a game. But even the what nice do you think that is? team was that way too. I mean, we had a really strong 
defense, but our offense wasn't as strong. And it's been the other way around too. Like the 2006 team, you know, we had a really high powered offense, but we had trouble stopping people at times. You would think with the same kids, but you know, sometimes I think it's a mentality that the kids have, you know, some kids are more defensive minded. Some kids, you know, like this show, you know, showboating of offense. Yeah. And the team that I, we didn't, I don't talk about this. I'm like, when I was looking back when we coached together, like that 2003 team, I just, I loved coaching offense on that 2003 team. And that's where Ryan Nicholson didn't start until halfway through the year. And mm-hmm. probably if those, if that team would have played together the whole year, that, that team probably could have been an eight and maybe seven and two, eight and one team, and maybe wouldn't have had to play Auburn in the playoffs potentially. And uh, we would have had a different, different draw maybe, but I always yeah. thought, I always thought that team was a good team too. Yeah, we had a really good secondary that year. Brandon Christie, De- or, uh, Decker, Dickerson. Yeah. I think, uh, who else was on Dr. That? Death. Dr. Death. Um, you know, Deb Parrott. Uh, Jack Baker was on that team, right? Yeah, Ryan James played as a sophomore on that team, too. So. Uh, and that's one of the – Brian James was a, a guy that comes up with Desi, and I think of those guys a lot, too, because – Third and long, we went to a wildcat, which is basically like a, a nickel defense. And you start putting these hard-hitting six-foot-two linebackers back there in the center to just headhunt. And it worked out real well for both of those guys. How, how did you – usually, you know, a linebacker, they just kind of stay as a linebacker. But you put those guys back a little further to do some of that um, – I would call it – you hate to call it headhunting, but you know what I mean, just hard hitters yeah. that would make you think about going over the middle for sure. How would you come yeah. up with doing that? You know, I don't even know why it came to me. I, I just, you know, one day we were, I think we were doing Pascal and Desi was out there and he was playing center field, for, I think for the scrub team, maybe, you know, we're, we're subbing out. And, you know, a lot of times we have to put the first team guys on the scrub team and give the other guys some reps. And it, I think he just had a knack for it. And I kind of saw it and I thought, you know, if we get in the third and long, you know, we're kind of wasting him at linebacker unless we listen because nobody throws in the hook zones. Right. So why not put him in a spot where, you know, put your best player in a spot where he's going to see a lot of action. And so that's just kind of how that happened. Hey, I just yeah. want to remind before you go on, Gary, uh, this show is brought to you by the people that hold the Chris Lyles fortune, People State Bank, where Chris Lyles buys his stakes at Gray's. All his insurance needs is Andrew's Insurance HC, and of course, when he wants a pizza, he calls Tyler Griffin's Pizza House. All of the above, right? Yeah, I like their Philly cheesesteak sandwiches. That's what I usually get when I go to the Pizza House. All right. So with uh, football, I mean, we won't spend a lot of time. I mean, I said we could go through and talk about football all night, but I know that the, you know. I think you really enjoyed coaching the other sports. I mean, when if you kind of had to look at them. You coached boys basketball for a short time at junior high, right? You got hired over there, and right. I assume you replaced Coach Dixon. Uh, would that be right? I think that is correct. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I, I replaced him. I didn't even know you did that. I, I that that was news to me. I only did it two years. Uh, can't remember. I mean, I can't remember why I got into it, but I, I did. It kind of opened up, and. I thought, well, maybe I should try and be on my own a little bit because I was under Coach K there for a while, and, and I enjoyed my time with Coach K. I kind of, I mean, not that I, I regret it, but I kind of wish I would have stayed with Coach K a little bit longer, to be honest. What are your remembrances of, the, of like, learning basketball from Coach K? And, you know, you got to – you were an assistant on some 
that great run that he had. What are some of your memories of being the assistant JV coach and, and being on the bench for some of those varsity games? I just, my biggest thing was just how intense the practices were. And it's, you know, unless you were there, you just don't understand. I mean, I walk through and watch some practices now, sometimes for basketball, but back then it was a war in practice. I mean, it was physical. It was like, it was game-like conditions or even tougher. I mean, because the competition was just so good. And I just, I mean, I, I'll never forget that, to be honest with you. You know, now we, we talk about that, like, of course, by the time I got to be a senior and played again, we both know that the there wasn't a lot of you know, the younger kids. It wasn't very competitive. So he brought in Eric Holtz and the, the, the guys right before us, McCullough, Havel, Mosby, and practiced with those guys about every single evening. And it, I mean, it was a lot of those games. It was harder than the competition you played on Tuesday or Friday night. A, a lot of times it was. So I'm assuming that's not even allowed anymore. They probably can't even do I that. Know, I, just, think they, I think they do that a little bit on the boys and girls side. Um, I don't, honestly, I don't know if it's allowed, but, you know, whenever I got there, it was Brandon's senior year, and then you had McCullough and Rob Waller and Mosby and Havel behind them, and then Holloway and Stevens and you guys behind them. And, I mean, it was just – I mean, it was all-out war during practice. What's the I mean, biggest heart – The first team or the second team. Right. What was the biggest heartbreak that you felt that you remember as a coach, whether any sport? Oh, well, I would say probably losing to Staunton. Um, uh, I uh, I can remember that game. I remember being up, you know, with 30 seconds left up six and thinking to my head, I think we got it. And then, you know, that happened. And then, it ha you know, that was probably the biggest heartbreak. Um, we've had a lot of heartbreak at Red Hill. Yeah. Um, yeah, 2001 <laughs> when we got beat by Westfield in OT, that was a tough one to take. Um, I tell you one that really sticks with me, and it was just a team because I just felt like we let something get away in 2006 when we got beat by Carmine. I think that team had enough talent to be a quarterfinalist or better. You know, Casey went in and they made it to the quarterfinals that year. Um, and we beat Casey early in the year, like 49 to 18. Oh, wow. So, oh, wow. And we went, no. I remember going up and watching them, Carmine play Casey, and Casey just beat him like a drum. But yeah. Carmine didn't really come out with the same intensity as that they did against us at home. That, that was the team with Wampler, would have been a senior that Wampler, year, right? Yeah, Fiore, yeah. Fitness, that group. That, uh, James, James Johnston, Straka, yeah, yeah uh, Gizmo. Lenny Diggs and Kirkwood. Yeah, that team. Because a lot of those kids played as sophomores. Yeah, on, Fiore. On, yeah. They were loaded. I mean, we were loaded. Yeah. We really were. Um, and that one, you know, I, I, Logan's on the coaching staff, and I tell him all the time, I was like, that one's that 2006 season, that, you know, losing the Carmine is one of my biggest regrets as a coach. I that remember was, the – in 93, uh, Chris, when we went to – up uh, to Eastern Illinois, I guess. So you had literally just graduated from there. So you're like our little tour guide that day. I remember Coach Kendall, we got there like four or five hours before the game. I'm not sure why we got there so early, but do you remember that and how that came about? I, I took him the shortcut, and I think he thought it was going to be like a three-hour trip, <laughs> and we got there an hour and a half. Did we ask yeah, him we were that? there way too early. Did you remember yeah. 
I don't remember what he we said. we got to the gym and we couldn't even shoot around or anything. I mean, it was, mm-hmm. we sat yeah, in the bleachers. You yeah, took us yeah, around the complex. Like half hour before you could shoot or something like that. What were you going to say, Brian? I was just going to say, did we ask Coach about that? I think we did, but I don't remember what he said. No. Yeah, it was a, I think we had lunch at Gray's and then got on the bus right from there. So we were there way, way, way early. <laughs> Didn't somebody write something on the uh, roadway there, on our way there? I can't remember if it was Gaither and those guys. Maybe I think Brian. Clifford and Tony and some of those guys wrote on that big hill when you're yeah. coming in there by Lake Charles. Yeah, and maybe TP'd the trees around it to add some streamers to the, for, for the effect there. Yeah, that was pretty cool. You also coached track with Coach Kendall. Uh, you're, you and he uh, were the assistant or, I guess, co-coaches of that. Right. Was your interest in track just from your own personal fitness and becoming a runner, or how did you get into being a track coach? Well, I, you know, Coach Kendall knew I liked to run, and he ended up taking that job, I think, when he got out of football, and he just happened to ask me if uh, I would want to help him with it and co-coach it. He said he split the stipend. And, you know, that time I was single and uh, I was like, sure, I'll help you out. And then a few years later, the, the uh, girl's job opened up. Um, Mike Cummins said, I think he got the principal job and he, he came in and talked to me. He said, hey, he kind of talked me into it. And so you, you've been history. doing that since 96 then, right? Or a 90, 97 school or a track season? I think so. It's, I think yeah. I started then. I, I took one year off. Uh, Archer took over, then I came back and I was his assistant. And then when he left, I took over the head coach again. And what was it like that you had to, and we'll get back more into track and basketball. I'm kind of jumping around here, but you were the one to replace Steve Cunningham. You were his predecessor. What what was that like or successor? Well, you know, a lot of people wanted payback on the Slukies back then. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so we took a lot of brunt and back then, you know, the NSC was loaded in girls basketball. Only yeah. was, you know, they were really good. Fairfield had a good team. Salem was up and coming. Carmine was tough. I mean, it was a murderer's row. We had a decent little team, um, but maybe that was my second year. But, I, I mean, there, there was a lot of talent in the NEC and girls basketball at that time. I think when you first start coaching, you're fairly young. I think Abby was a freshman or sophomore. I Abby think Brown. she was real young, and of course, I think she probably was your was your best I player. She, I think she came in my second year. Okay. You know, we talked about Richard Dixon being probably the the man that that probably had his hand in more athletes' careers as, than anybody. Have you held the most coaching positions of anybody you think in Red Hill? You've had, I mean, you've 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 coached a lot of different sports at a lot of didn't different levels. Some, didn't you coach some fifth and sixth grade girls basketball a couple years ago? I did. We I did. did. Yeah. Uh, so I we got know. five, six girls, that junior high boys. A lot of different sports too. He, you know, he's done softball. He's done. He's doing track now. Basketball. I don't know. I, I would have to be up there. I would. Yeah, I, I would. You got to be. I, I told these guys before we started. You're like Ric Flair. You won the title 16 times, but you you also may have the most resignations in school history. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've what, resigned <laughs> twice. Yeah, no, three times. Did you ever? Track, did you get it fired? Any? No. Okay. Well, really. there you go. That's good. <laughs> That's yeah. good. Not yet. Not on wood. Yeah. Coaches are hard to find nowadays, Brian. They're not gonna let go of anybody. Yeah, you you got you got some safety now. 
he got to be bad to get fired. I thought that was like Coach Kendall brought that up too. He's like, anymore, you don't see a whole lot of teachers. That it's, you see a lot of these guys that come in and, and, and or gals that come in and just coach for why their kids there, and they split, you know, and you don't you don't see much of that. Uh, well, much of what you've been doing, like I said, now 30, 31 years as an employee, and you, that's just that's rare anymore, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm not sure why that changed, but you know, back in the day when you got hired, you know, you were expected to coach. You know what right. I mean? When they when they hired me, they told me you're going to be coaching, you know, football and basketball. You know. And that's part of the position. And if I would say, well, no, I don't want to coach. I'm sure I want to got the jobs, but you know, I did want to coach. So it worked out well. Yeah. Why I, has that changed? Is that, I mean, is there something with the teacher's union that the, you don't, I don't know. Is there something with that? No, I don't think it's the union, honestly. And I'm not sure why it changed. <clears throat> I'm sure it has to do with it's harder to get teachers now. You know what I mean? So when you start putting stipulations, if, if, you know, if, if somebody didn't want to coach and they had, you know, a job opening here or only and only didn't have coaching, you know, they're going to go to only, you know what I mean? Right. So I think it's that a little bit. Um, and honestly, you know, sports has been de-emphasized a little bit. At, it's in some ways. I know, I know over here at Bar Eve, we've, we've got one of the, most decorated volleyball coaches in history and there was rumor that she was kind of wanting to step down and they you know the rumor is they said hey you gotta you gotta keep coaching if you're gonna keep teaching and so it's it's a tough yeah. it's a tough job like you said gary it, it can become such a ro you know rotation ro you know rotating door of, of in and out and there's no stability in the program so it's tough. Yeah, when you don't have stability, you know, I think that's one thing that kind of made us good over the years is that we had that stability. Right. You know, Coach Evans, you know, all that time, that, and I was coaching the D, and then, you know, we had some good assistant coaches, and we always had, you know, a, you know, we kind of did the same things, and we adapted a little bit, but we had that stability, and I, I think that's important. How many years was that core group with, with Gaither and you two – on staff and who am i missing somebody uh, but how uh, how long was that core group together uh, i'm trying to think probably i want to say 15 years 12 15 years something like that uh, yeah i did it for six of the 15. Huh? i was there for six of those you know kind of in the middle and then billy I'm not sure when tony ended up stopping and then billy came in right after you gary he was with us i think i would billy was on the staff for two years okay while I was still there. So that was a pretty smooth transition. I think 06 there. was the year he started calling offense. So yeah. that would have been probably your last year, Gary. Yeah, 05. The 05 season was my last year. Then he took over in 06. What? what before I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask before we kind of move on. And, and we definitely want to talk about your, your track stuff and get into some other things. Can can you talk about Bill and just what obviously you know he had a hand in in helping you and and Fred both talk about those two guys and and just what they meant to you as a coach. Well, they were both were kind of like my father figures in a lot of ways. It's kind of ironic because you know they are they are you know everybody kind of knows or you guys know that at times especially when I got on they weren't didn't always get along the best. And I kind of felt like sometimes I was between them, but, you know, both of them had a big, big influence on me. Like I said, coach Evans, he always treated me well. Um, 
he had a lot of faith in me. I think he had more faith in me than I did at times. Mm. Um, you know, and then coach K, you know, I still golf with coach K today. And, you know, if I have something that's on my mind, you know, I know I can call coach K and talk to him and, you know, we're still good friends. Um, I kind of talk to him a little bit more than I do coach Evans. That's now because of the you know, coach being in Terre Haute, but yeah, you know, both of them, big, big influences in my career. Do you have to give coach K strokes or is he giving you shots? At this uh, point? It depends on the summer, to be honest with you. I mean, <laughs> Earlier in the summer, I was beating him, and then later in the summer, he was beating me this year. But um, it, it really, it, it does. And, and I, I think Coach K would play golf every day if he's physically able. But you know, I don't know if he's physically able to do that. But if you know, he he can play whenever he's healthy. Yeah. Well, hey, let's jump into track a little bit. I know you you that was something you took great pride in in, in that track program, um, and and. Julia Shear, you know, uh, Julia Garner, um, and, and some of the other, talk about some of the other track, track, uh, Jim, what was it? Jamisha Western. Is that right? Yeah. Jamisha yeah. Western. She went to, she went and throw it or threw it Nebraska. She was a BU for a while. Um, I don't know. That's tough because it's just all, you know, spread out tracks a little bit different in that, it's an individual sport in some ways, and it's a team sport in other ways. Um, you know, Julia was really something special, but, you know, Katie Moore just, uh, you know, beat her both her hurdle records. Oh, wow. um, so I don't know, you know, you go down there and look at the board and see all the girls on it. And I'm proud to say that about every, about most of the only one that I didn't coach was Tracy Coltis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you saw her run, she was something special. Yeah. So but, you, know, you, you missed her. Now, what was Jamisha's sport? Um, it was, it was field sports, right? Yeah. She was, a, she was a shot and disc. Um, and you know, honestly that that's not my, that's not really my area. I kind of work with the sprinters more yeah. so. And she, she kind of self-taught. She went over to VU and she got some lessons. And, um, you know, you yeah. have to give her a lot of credit for that. Yeah, I, I, that was going to be my question because I, I knew you were more of a runner. And I wondered how, you know, how that worked. I know actually my over, over here at Bar Eve, my brother, or my brother, my son's girlfriend is a pole vaulter. Well, Bar Eve doesn't even have a track. And she right. went to state and pole vaulting. And that's exactly what she did. She went to VU and she works with them over there. Yeah, you know, I've been really lucky. I've had a lot of good assistant coaches. You know, I got John Christie working with the distance girls. Um, he's done it for years. You know, can't ask for a better role model. Um, and then, you know, Eric Adams has been working with my hurdlers lately. Before that, Phil Negley used to. Jerry Worth was a, he used to do the shot and disc girls for me. Jim Anderson. So I, I've been really lucky. Um, if I didn't know how to do it. I, I try to find somebody that does, um, you know, I kind of think sometimes people, I don't know how to say this, but if I don't know something, I'm not going to tell you that I do, but I'm going to try to find you someone that does. Right. Yeah. Yes. And that's just kind of like my personal policy. If, if I don't know about it, I'm not going to talk about it. What, so. what did you teach the best sprinters? Sprinters, probably the relays, you know, 
honestly, I wanted to be a distance coach because I always liked, you know, running distance. But, I mean, when you got John Christie, you know, he's forgot more distance running. (laughs) So that wasn't in the card. So I had to learn to become a sprinter coach. Relays, I mean, I love the relays. They're, they're kind of my favorite. And I, some of the things I always noticed in the springtime, these pictures, you used to have humongous girls track teams. I mean, you would have a lot of girls come out, which a lot of times I don't think you see that in a lot of places. So what what was the – how did that come to be? You had some pretty big girls uh, track teams. Um, you know, I think we averaged around 20 there for a while. Right now, we're probably getting 15 or 16, and it's just hard to get kids to go out for sports. But, you know, I think I – I mean, like I said, we have a good group of coaches. I – you know, my father – you know, I try to make things fun. And, you know, if, if it's not fun, the kids aren't going to do it. And, sure. And, you know, why do it if it's not fun? Yeah. So we try to keep everything kind of light and, you know, have fun while we're working. And you do that, you're going to be okay. Are you disappointed with the state of Red Hill sports? Right now? Yeah. Uh, that's a tough question, Brian. Um, yeah, to a degree. I think it's all over, though. I don't think it's just Red Hill. Right, yeah. Yeah, that's, it's yeah, all that's over. what I'd say. Yeah. You know, kids have more things to do now. It's a lot of work. I mean, who wants to be out two hours in this heat practicing football? Right when you could be at home in the pool on the phone or whatever they do. I don't know. Is, but, is, is that the biggest difference in say 1990 to now, just the, the willingness of the athlete to, to go out and work? I would say so. And, you know, I think right now that, and I think people don't do it. I mean, it just kind of happens, but, everybody wants better for their kids. And I think we kind of got to the point where we're giving them too much and they don't have to work for anything. And if you don't have to work for anything and you're given things, you know, you don't learn that work ethic. Right. So I think that's part of it too. Before we move on, I do have a, a listener question. This is from Tony G in Bridgeport. Why do you suck so much? I'll tell him. (laughs) (laughs) Back to track real quick. I know you had several. Of course, Katie went to state, ran mm-hmm. up at Eastern. You had several, I know, relay teams went to state. What other individuals did you have go? And how did they place? Did Jamisha go up there? Jamisha, um, shoot, I probably should look this up, but I think the best she got was third. She, she scored, I think, her sophomore, junior, and senior year. I think the best she got was third. And one year she did like better in the shot, and the next year she did better in the disc. And I think she got fourth in one of the one of them too. Um, you know, Julia got second in the intermediate hurdles her senior year, and it, it was kind of a little bit of bad luck. Um, she, the girl that beat her was named Pam Wolf, and I, I can't remember where she was from, but. She wasn't normally a hurdler. She was a real good 800 runner that was going to the University of Illinois. And about halfway through the track season, they decided, well, we need a new another event for her because she's so good. And it put her in the hurdles. And then, you know, she ended up winning the hurdles too. So otherwise, Julie would have been state champ. And then her junior year, she uh, she went up to state. She didn't lose a track meet all year long in the intermediates. 
she went up to state and she won her prelim. But back then, um, it was the top nine times got to advance. The next year, if you won your prelim, you uh, got to advance. So I don't know if that was because of Julia or not, but it seemed like we always kind of had a little bit of bad luck for the Slooky Dogs at times. Yeah, there's been some snake bitten times for sure over the years when there yeah. could have been so much more glory and championships and just freak things happened and just did, just didn't work out for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. Sometimes it feels like we've been snake bit. Yeah. And then I had a relay team that um, made it. It had, it was Tabitha Thomas to Julia Shear to Courtney Bryan to Clant the Bandit. They got, they got eighth in the state. I think that was 2001. I think that's probably the only relay team that Red Hills ever had score at the state track meet. I don't know that hundred percent, but I'm pretty sure that's the, that is true. Are you going to, are you coaching track again this, this school year? That's the plan. I'll probably finish up track for sure. It's a little less stress and not quite as much work as the football. I mean, you don't have to put as much time in. That's the thing, you know, with football, it's the grind that gets me sometimes. I, I love the games. I love the kids being around the coaches. But, you know, that daily grind of practice. And then if you have a Saturday game, now you're preparing on Sunday. You know, it's seven days a week. And that gets, I mean, after 32 years, that kind of wears <laughs> on you. Yeah. I think I noticed there's, what, three Saturday games this year? Yeah. And is, that just a, is that a referee thing? Is that what? Uh, that I, the, or? One of them is homecoming, but I'm guessing the other two are referee things. And I think that's going to be more and more common with uh, less and less referees out there that you're going to have to have Friday and Saturday games. What's the uh, the eight-man football? I know, Billy, that's something he's been looking into. Is that is that going to be a reality in the, you in know, the future? I, I, since, you know, the, the big thing is with the conference getting bigger with like Mount Carmel coming in and they're – they were talking about if um, Casey, Casey was talking about leaving, then we're looking at Effingham, one of the Effingham like coming in. So I think, you know, since we decided to go independent, that we're, we're going to stay 11 man, as long as the numbers stay decent. How many, how many kids are in the high school now? Uh, I would say around 250, maybe. Okay. That would be my guess. So you never coached. Let's see. What did what did we not ever coach? Baseball? Uh, no, I never coached baseball. I did fill in for Steve Cunningham a softball that <laughs> that first uh, my first year there. Yeah. A couple of games. Never did volleyball. Never did volleyball either. Nope. You still made that junior high volleyball, Peter. Team. Yes, that's Chris Lyles <laughs> junior. Yeah, start the junior high volleyball team. I'm going to make a push uh, for that for these last two years. We definitely need that. Why is that? Why do they not do it? Do you have any idea why? No, not really. I really don't. I know some people have pushed for it in the past, and I'm I'm not sure why they won't do it, but I don't know if it's money or if they think they'd have to get another sport because of Title IX. I don't know. I just don't know how you can – One of my crusades on this podcast is to get that going. I don't know how you could expect to have any success at the varsity level without a feeder program. Yeah, I think the program's around 27 years now. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. 12 wins over 27 years or something like that. 
Chip, that's, uh, that's that's Chip's uh, driving force on the podcast. <laughs> yes. to get that. Is yeah. there? Yeah, you come down here, Coach Volleyball. <laughs> I, I, I know, I know. Vinny wants to move up from Brazil and coach volleyball. That's, that's his dream job. He says to live in Bridgeport and coach coach Red Hill volleyball. Yep. Maybe he could start beach volleyball down here. Being a yeah, for sure. Hey, it, with you having your hand in so many different sports, is there anything better? Than when Red Hill's good at football from from a community standpoint. No, and, you know I will say when I, the years we were good at basketball, that was really good too. But yeah, it, it's there's it's something, something different right. in the air when you were up in town. You just kind of feel it. People are excited. Yeah, it, it is nice whenever that happens. I will say that you know whenever that happens, and I enjoy those seasons, but. You feel the pressure, like people, you know, they go to the games and they tailgate and stuff like that. They're having a great time. And, you know, we win. And then I'm thinking, I got to start watching film again. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not, you don't get to enjoy it. You've got to prepare for the next one. Right. And that's kind of tough sometimes. And I know you guys people, had a blast. They you come out and, you know, have a good time. And I'm like. I can't. I got, I'm going to have to work the next tomorrow. Yeah. I say some of those are, are stories we have of going to trade films on the first week of the playoffs. Those are some uh, I don't very think, memorable nights. Tell those on the on the podcast here. <laughs> no, we better not. But those were some. Those are some things that you'll never forget. Stories come out of those things for sure. Yeah. And it's harder for me to recover from nights like that. <laughs> Maybe that can come you know, out in the gray session the next day. Well, won't, won't you beat Mount Carmel tomorrow night and you can have one tomorrow night? We'll see. Yeah. You, I tell you oh. what, that, that the Mount Carmel victories are probably, you know, probably the highlights of my career. I mean, those ones, you know, Slim came home and then the playoff, you know, in 96 was, those two are special to me. And then, you know, when we beat Newton in 2017, that ranks up there. And then probably the 06 when we beat Cumberland, they came in state ranked and, we beat them that year. No, was it was it 05? That was 05. But yeah. That was I that was one that I'll never forget. So doing some research, we found in uh, some pictures and articles, and I think Gary put one on Facebook of you and Brandon Smith playing doubles tennis. Talk about your uh, your tennis career. Well, I knew the guys that beat us. Um Byerly and uh, Vince Mickey, I'm good friends with them because they're from Robinson. Um, oh really? <laughs> yeah, and it's funny. That was the first date I had with later that night after I got beaten tennis. That was the first date I had with Becky. So, oh wow! Yeah, so that was kind of neat. And you know, um, she wishes she was out with Vince Mickey instead of you. But <laughs> oh, probably. I mean, he owns like three three uh, monocles there. He owns the monocles. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> she does. <laughs> I don't know if Becky Mickey has the same ring as Becky Lyles. <laughs> well, I was going to ask Chris. I wanted to ask you about like pickleball is such a it's oh, like a phenomenon question. now. Everywhere everyone plays pickleball. Well, you brought pickleball to Red Hill as far as I can ever remember. When we started taping off the gym floor and playing in there after football practice or in the winter time, we would go in there after basketball practice was over. And what, how did you get interested in pickleball and it's popular all over the place now. Well, you know, I played it in a, like a class at Eastern. That was my first introduction to it. And I like, I've always loved tennis. I love badminton. 
So I like the racket sports. So I, I liked it immediately. And then believe it or not, uh, when I got to Red Hill in that coach's room, I found these big wood paddles and they were pickleball paddles. And I guess Huber and Drury and some other guys were actually playing there. And that's, and we started playing. We, we got a, like a big tennis or a volleyball net. We, we put it over when you played on the volleyball court. That was the first time. I'm glad you remembered to ask that, Gary, because we've talked about that many times that, that you guys were playing pickleball a long time ago. Yeah, no. I, yeah, and I've seen that you're still highly involved and go to a lot of tournaments and everything and, and yeah, do I well. Played, I played three tournaments this, this summer. I I think we got silver in one and, and bronze in the other. Yeah. So but, uh, let, let's talk nicknames because this is um, – I mean, I, I've known Biff. That's what I've always kind of known you as a nickname by. And let's just start there. How did that get started? I don't really – I don't know. I think I used to call Gaither that whenever he got all dressed to spiffy or whatever. And so I started calling him Biff, and then he started calling me Biff, and it just seemed like it stuck with me. Yeah, that's what I think. Most things happen. You start calling somebody else, and then somebody that's becomes your nickname. That is a fact. Because because I didn't yeah. know about Big Daddy until the Facebook page, and then it sounds like it's kind of the same origin where you were calling people Big Daddy, and then you became Big Daddy. Yeah. That, was, that came from from Digger, you know, because he used to call everyone Big Daddy there for a while. I'm going to start calling everybody Skinny and see if that reverses back on me. <laughs> call them Tiny. <laughs> Where did Crash come from? Yeah. Uh, that just kind of came, I think, because of driver's ed. But I can remember we went over, there was some motorcycle game that was on probably on Sega, I'm guessing. Road Rash, maybe, I think it was, was. I think that's like, right. Yeah. I can't remember who was over there with him, but I was terrible at that game. I crashed all the time. So they started calling <laughs> Crash. What are your memories of uh, Howard the Duck Creek? You spent a lot of time with him. Oh yeah, I, you know, I, 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 Jimbo is uh, is our current manager. He's his, I don't know, he's some type of relation to him. I don't know if it's his nephew. I'm thinking, but I'm not 100 sure on that. But yeah, Duck always have a special place in my heart. Um, you know, it was so hard, you know, watching him when he had to go to the nursing home. I tried to go in at least once or twice a week and spend time with him when he was there, um, but. No one had a bigger heart. I know when my mom died, I, you know, I got a planner from Duck, oh. and that meant the world to me. Oh, wow. Um, he, he just, he had a big heart. We were, we've been telling Duck stories. Jeff Lynn is subbing now, and uh, he eats lunch with me, and we were talking about Duck today. So, yeah. you know, I, I think about him all the time. Yeah, he was, he was all Red Hill, and I think, you could never tell Duck. He probably wasn't an assistant coach. I think he always felt that he was right there with us all, and he was uh, obviously Red Hill through and through. It was an awesome guy for sure. Oh, yeah. He he would do anything for you, and he bled blue. Definitely. Well, Coach, is there anything we missed? Anything you, you wanted to talk about on your agenda? Though? I better say, you know, big thank you to my wife. You know, she's let me coach all these years and been by my side, been my biggest fan, and – uh, I don't know. Other than that, the potential Becky Mickey. Mm-hmm. Becky Mickey. Hey, I know I something. Back we, in the, 
we didn't talk back in those years. I used to spend a lot of time in your guys's house and she was so sweet and I loved being around the uh, being around both of you. And I miss those days for sure. So you, you never see uh, Becky when she doesn't have time. a big smile on her face. That's for sure. Oh, she always does. And, and don't worry. If you come to our house, you're not going to leave hungry. If you do, it's your fault. Cause that's right. And some snacks for hey, you. You know, one thing we didn't ask you about um, your induction into the Wabash Valley Football Coaches Association Hall of Fame. Just if you can, how'd that come about? And and what did 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 you go to Hollywood or where did you go for that induction ceremony? Uh, it was in Terre Haute. Oh, that's um, close. I'll, I'll never forget. Uh, I was in driver's head, and I, I think I may have had a missed phone call from Bill. And it would, I'm not sure. Parker Howell was in the car with me, and uh, finally, I was able to get a hold of Kathy, and she said, "Well, Bill's been trying to get a hold of you," and he called and told me that I had been inducted. And wow, what an honor! He, uh, I, I think, at the time, and I know Bill was a big part of me getting me into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, but I think they were looking for assistant coaches that they had inducted nothing but head coaches in at, at the time, and so they were looking for an assistant coach, and you know. It's quite an honor because yeah. you know a lot of there's a lot of good assistant coaches around this area in the Wabash Valley, and for me to be recognized as you know get in yeah. the whole thing, it was a big deal. Yeah, that's you awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, at, at that time you had like 25 years in, you know, so the longevity of being an assistant coach and and having you know you had some undefeated teams and some teams that made some playoff runs. So I mean, it was well deserved for sure, and it was nice for the a guy that probably could have been a head coach at some point, but you never wanted that. I don't think that was never the spotlight or never the the job you wanted. I mean, when I was younger, I I entertained the idea. And and one time one of my friends was like, don't you ever want to be a head coach? And I'm like, you know, I'm happy doing what I'm doing. And then, you know, defensively, especially in football, I'm in charge of one side of the football. You Billy and Bill both kind of let me do what I want. I mean, sometimes they'll they'll give me some input, but ultimately they leave it up to me. Yeah. And so I kind of felt like I kind of had some of the head coach responsibility, but I didn't have the headaches. <laughs> and that was pretty appealing. Yeah. Well, Chris, I think you said it all. Maybe too much with with Tony Gaither, but that's uh, for another day probably. Yeah. That was Tony G. That was uh, just a <laughs> some oh, random yeah. listener. <laughs> I don't know. We don't know if it was Tony Gaither. No, I, I probably wasn't. <laughs> but th- this is one we wanted to do. You've uh, said you've uh, put your heart and soul and uh, into Red Hill for a long, long time, and you've meant a lot, and you've uh, you've influenced and been a role model for a lot of a lot of students and adults. Now I know Eric Adamson had a lot of good things to say about you on the Facebook page, and there's a lot of people that think the world about you, Chris, and I'm one of them. Yep. So thanks for your time here. Go yep. dogs. I feel like I went to because you know Tyler Tucker came through, and I coached Kelly Tucker my first year, and it was kind of ironic. Like Kelly was number twenty-four, Tyler was twenty-four, and it's twenty-four years between them. So wow, that's cool. I'm starting to get, you know, it's just kind of weird that that happened, but I'm starting to get, you know, the kids of people I've used to coach. So the generations for sure. Well, we appreciate you, Coach. Thanks so much. Go home and get some rest. Got a full day of school tomorrow. Thanks, Biff. All right. All right take care, Thank Biff. Thank you very we'll much, Coach. Chris Lyles, ladies and gentlemen. What a great guy. Great guy. Great guy. Last remaining teacher of uh, my high school days. Is that right? Yeah. 
Wow. His first, full, his first full year was my senior year. Wow. He's student taught my junior year. Which means yeah, there's I have none which, left. Which means there's yeah. none for me for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, you you talk about Chris Lyles, and of course you can see on the Facebook page there was a lot of people that that think a lot of him. Uh, like I said, he's a he's a all around just great guy, and I'm proud to call him my friend. So this was this is a, this was a good one a that people may learn a little bit more about Coach Lyles they didn't know before. I hope so. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I, I again I think it's funny just how many jobs in and out that he had, you know, uh, helping out when he was needed. And, and Chip, he talked about Harry Rice, um, you know, was in, in Mr. Glosser in on hiring him, and he mentioned Mike Cummins. But what a great hire for Red Hill Unit 10. Yeah, because he talked about there was 20 to 30 applicants for that driver's ed job, and I'm sure – I know a lot of times the driver's ed positions um, – not that we had any of our head coaching openings that year, but there's a lot of people that are um, head coaches where, you know, he definitely had the potential to be a head coach. He became one in um, eventually in girls basketball and track, but um, yeah, they had, they saw something in him that what he had done, that was, I'm glad he, as a student teacher chose to get on this football staff and the basketball staff that definitely helped and showed that he, his dedication, but yeah, yeah. what a great hire he's going to He's probably 33 year career here. He's probably a rarity at this point for someone that has the longevity that uh, put in the time and all these different sports to coach these kids. Like I said, sacrificed a lot of his personal time yeah. to do a lot of times all, you know, sometimes all three. Well, he was coaching all three for a, for a period of time. Yeah. And I was, I was thinking, you know, when he was talking about, you know, did he ever want to be a head coach and people forget that, a really good assistant doesn't make the money the head coach does and puts in just as much or more time in in the craft of coaching. So really good hire and we and we mentioned Becky, you never see Becky that when she doesn't have a smile on her face and it's the same thing for Chris. I mean, he just he he he's just a he's just a good guy and and I don't think there's there's any other way to say it. Gary just real quick you you coached with him for so long and such a good friend. What's he mean to you? Oh, a lot. Like I said, I, I missed the moving to Evansville. We kind of lost our connection the way we used to. Like I said, I used to spend a lot of evenings at his house, and we used to play video games and drink some beers, and we used to spend a lot of time together. So I considered him um, still one of my best friends. I just don't see him as much anymore, and I don't like that, but that's how life goes sometimes. But, no, he's a really, really good dude, and I think I have a, a hell of a lot of him. Well, and, and thanks to our sponsors who who help make all this possible. Of course, People State Bank. Thanks, Stacy. Uh, Andrews Insurance Agency, T-Bone and Juice. Go see them for all your insurance needs. Tyler Griffin's Pizza House. Let the mayor make you a pizza at any time. And I was lucky enough to, uh, to be able to dine at lunch yesterday with David Jealous. King. Dave? That was awful good. What? It was good. It was good. <laughs> we uh, we quick too. <laughs> we both dove in uh, yeah. to Gray's double cheeseburgers and yeah. fries, and oh my goodness, it was good. Saw a Red Hill alum Jimmy Worth there while we ate. Yeah, I mean, Dave talked about how prompt I wasn't there, but Dave talked about how prompt the service was. Really I know service. you guys were meeting at eleven. At eleven fourteen, I got a text with pictures of cheeseburgers on it. So <laughs> you guys were seated. <laughs> ordered the food was um, oh, was, yeah. was made to order and at 
in front of you for a picture within 14 minutes. It may have been a podcast listener back behind on the grill, and when they saw us walking in, they just threw four patties down. But it was good to see Jimmy Worth talk to him, and uh, it did was. Did you guys get the bacon good. on the burger? I did no. not. Uh, I, I did not I get the bacon. myself driving home. I was like, why didn't I ask for bacon? And I didn't even look and see what the special was. I knew what I was getting, and she yeah. brought us a menu, which was cute. Uh, we, we certainly didn't need those, but of course we're talking about Gray's restaurant over 75 years. Let the Gray family cook for your family today. Anything else guys? Well, we're on the, uh, the eve of another football season. We got a lot of good podcasts coming up for you again. We're excited to do them and I've got, I've had, a couple, tuned. I've had a couple messages and I promise all the wrestling fans out there, we are going to track down Mr. Drury. We are going to figure out it may be a between now and winter, but we're going to figure a time to to sit down with Coach Drury. I'm going to get a co- hold of Coach Evans because we'd really like to get that during this football season, get that, uh, we'll call it the gray sessions, and uh, sit down with, with Coach Evans and some of the old football coaches. And honestly, it's hard telling who will end up on mic if, if we do that. Chip, we talked about Jeff Glosser and his connection with getting Chris Lyles hired at Red Hill. We talked about monocles. We talked about listener questions from Tony G in Bridgeport. Tony G, I can't, I can't think of who, Tony Green, Tony Gagne. I'm not sure who that is. In a free plug um, for the Pizza House, we heard about Chris Lyle's favorite sandwich is the Philly cheesesteak. Yeah, and true. Didn't they have a Philly cheesesteak pizza one time? And I think well, I they, they did it as a, or I was believe. that the meatball? <laughs> okay. Uh, they had Philly, yeah, I believe so. <laughs> that was just we, a couple months ago. I believe Richard Dixon's name got mentioned on this episode. I know we talked about Steve Chasm's house. Yes. Pickleball, of course. Yes. We uh, heard about a possible Bill Evans scheduling his lovemaking. Talked about video game Road Rash. I didn't see that coming, quite frankly. <laughs> Talked about Lincoln Trail College. We talked about VU track experts to help out whatever event you need. Who knew? Speaking of helping out, Vinny is ready to move to Red Hill. Coach Volleyball. (laughs) Yes, dream job. Preston Hall was discussed. Yeah, real early in the episode. Right at the beginning, we got his name in there. Talked about TD Tucker. John 24 Christie. years. Oh, yeah. John Christie. That's somebody we need to get on the pod sometime. Yeah. The Julia Shear, Jamisha Western, Julia Garner and track. We talked about the, it all. The speed of Tracy Coltus. And of course, if Darby Wagner doesn't come up, if Terry McAdow's beard doesn't come up, the blue-white game of David King yes, is going to come got up. Mentioned. All right, that's going to wrap it up. Anybody got anything to say or plug as we uh, as we leave the air here? Um, I think the Chris Lyles episode just speaks for itself. Hey, oh, I agree. Quick tease, Chip. What are we going to do in our next episode? What about two weeks? We're going to get together. We're going to do something. We're going to try something different. It's going to be old school Red Hill Jeopardy. I will be serving as your host for the Jeopardy, and our three contestants will be Gary Emmons, David King, and Brian Emmons. So we haven't really tested it out yet. Hopefully it works, but I think it'll be a lot of fun. Um, Looking forward to it. 
All right, Can't until wait. next time, Gary, Chip, David, I am Brino, and we are Red Hill. Red Hill. Let's go white.